0: say about the cross on shootout because i already know what i thought my thoughts are on this i think xavier obviously is a much better basketball team than uc but maybe i maybe my eyes are maybe my eyes aren't very oh, good this is because what i
1: tried to tell you two weeks ago
0: because because the truth is is that paul is is a ken Palm guy ken pom and when he sent out the text message last week that he said ken pom has this game at like a one point spread I was floored. Now
1: you gotta remember, Ken Palm doesn't take injuries into it. This will probably end up being closer to four and a half, five points for Xavier. But right now it's at two. They like it, they don't know that Rob Finnessy's hurt. They don't know that John Newman's hurt. So they they do factor that in. But yeah, it'll probably end up like where we were talking about. Oh, nine, eight, nine. No, it'll pro- My guess is on Friday when it opens, it'll be somewhere in the four and a half, five range. That would be my guess. Because last year, uh, I had Mo Egger on on the rebound rundown today, and he made a great point, mm-hmm. which I didn't remember. Xavier um, was at home last year with a much better team. What
0: are you worried about? And what 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 well, what, 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 what gonna, number? What number comes out? Are you worried if it's at two or one or or five? I would say
1: anything below three, I okay. would be worried. If you, if you get up toward because Z- this, and that's what I was gonna say. Xavier was at six last year at home with a significantly better team. Yeah, and they won that by twenty. So, okay. it's a rivalry game, and, and you know, I think if it's, if it's around six or seven, that's probably the right sure. number in I a game like did. this at UC. I think six or seven is probably the right
0: number. I thought Paul was going to say it. I thought he was getting ready to throw, throw the record books right out the window. Love oh, it. no, Just I'm, take I'm the, saving the, that the rivalry. for Saturday. I'm
1: hoping I see Tony on Saturday. got throw me it on, out the window. He told me last Saturday, I, Tony was at the, at the Xavier West Virginia game. I ran into him. And uh, I was like, yeah, are you going to be there next week? I'm, I'm hoping, hoping.
0: Tony Pike, that. for those that don't know. Yeah. But, the,
2: well, the reason I brought this this topic in here was I was intrigued by what Wes said about, you know, obviously Tom brought it up. You guys talked about it and off the bench to to some extent. But I just want to throw my two cents in. And he, and he said that this rivalry game has more passion. I don't know the exact adjective that he yeah. gave to describe it. But essentially, lofting it above Duke UNC. And you brought up the point like, they play one time. It means so much to these teams. But one point that I thought is do you think that this game is elevated here in town? Cause this, like, unfortunately, is the biggest game of the year for these two for these two programs. Like Duke UNC, they've got bigger, bigger fish to fry towards the end of the year. They're playing for national championships. Xavier UC haven't been doing that. So this essentially is the big the big hoopla
1: of the season. I see where you're coming with that, but I think both programs have evolved to a point now where they're not, where that's not necessary. Maybe they're not playing for a national champ. Like, neither neither one of these teams sure. are national championship caliber teams. But if you think back a few years ago to those teams with, like, Gary Clark and Trayvon Blewett when those shootouts were going on, like those were some good teams that, like, yeah, in, 20, teams. in 2018, if UC doesn't choke that away against Kansas State, or, uh, sorry, against Nevada, they would have played Kansas State that was a shoo in UC Final Four in 2018 that didn't happen. And for Xavier, if they if JP doesn't if JP McCurry doesn't get a phantom foul for his fifth foul, they might go to a Final Four that year. So there is there is, I think, an elevated level of expectations for both of these programs now, but I do see your point where I don't think this is both programs Super Bowl, though. I really don't. What? I, you think that you there's do, you, bigger you, you games for both these programs? Oh, absolutely.
0: No. What? No, not this year, Paul. I mean, I understand where you're going with that for a small extent. Like you're you're sitting here saying that you're sitting here saying that they have evolved as programs. I where mean, a, there a are, win over
1: UConn are, means more to Xavier than a win over Cincinnati this year. That's really, a wild
0: take.
2: You think that? I mean, I know that means that's more like to, like to us as four. a
1: fan, but like, well, that's I what are talking about? Like as a, the fans care, but if you want Xavier to make the tournament, then this is just not catching a bad loss against a top seventy-five team. UConn's number four team in the computer polls in the country. Like if you're just if you're just a national person looking at this game, like if you take the rivalry out of it,
2: but that's what we're saying is the rivalry means more here. Oh yeah, I guess I don't know.
0: No, I mean here's where... I'll put this in a full scale perspective. I'm gonna give a Wes. Uh, um a little bit of credit by saying he has a bad memory than just saying he's lying uh, because I think that's part of it okay <laughs> he's you selling a pro-
2: see, he's program a little you, bit, yeah right? you,
0: you see fans uh they, they want to hear that right they, they that's something as a as a as a if you're if you're in this rivalry between Xavier and Cincinnati the last thing you want to do is have a guy come on that's been a part of the UNC Duke rivalry before someone ask you a question about it and you essentially even and even if you don't mean it negatively, even if you insinuate that that rivalry is bigger than the one that you're currently in as the head coach of the University of Cincinnati Bearcats is not a good look, so West knows what he's doing. he's not stupid, yeah. but he's lying, or he has a really bad memory of his, of, of his whole situation back there with UNC duke that's th- th- Those things aren't the same. Does it mean that this doesn't mean anything? Of course not. what I, What I will say about this rivalry is this: I do think it has a little bit of more flavor to it this year than in years past for me. Because I don't think for both of these programs, they're in a spot where they are looking at playing deep into a tournament. Or in years past, Xavier's been a one seed or a two seed or let's just say five seed or better to where you're like, you know what, whatever. If we lose this game, so what? We got, like he said, we got bigger things to look forward to. I don't think that's the case for Cincinnati specifically And I also would say Xavier's in a spot to where a good year, and you correct me if I'm wrong, is winning a single game in the NCAA tournament. I'd say so. So at the end of the day, you know, this is the game that everyone's going to point to for the rest of the year as a fan base, as a collection of people that live in this this area. So that's why I think it holds maybe more value this year than it does in years past. I think UC, quite frankly, I've watched them. They're not very good. They're just not. Mm. They're a bad basketball team. They have no interior presence at all outside of Victor Lofkin, who's relatively decent offensively. I actually like Victor. I'm not trying to like say he's a bad player, but they have no one else. Nobody. And 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 you're just assuming from UC <laughs> standpoint, as a basketball fan, UC basketball, you're just you're just hoping and praying that a guy like Jeremiah Davenport, right, who's quite frankly as reliable as crypto, like you know, it's it's one way. He's the I best player in the game. and the next play, in the next game, you're wondering like why he's even playing Division One basketball. And that's being quite frank with how I see it. Outside of that, you got Landers Nolly who can get hot from outside. UC is I, I don't. There's nothing else there. Xavier to me is a little more. They they just got a little more polish to him, to my to my. But that doesn't mean they'll win one specific game, one single game. You put it. You put. What is it, 40 minutes on a clock? Yeah. It doesn't matter who the best team is, more more likely than not in a rivalry game, if there's not one team that's significantly better. So that's how I look at this.
1: And and the other thing, too, is that there's not a single player in this game that has played in front of a full crowd at fifth-third. And there isn't a coach. Like, Sean Miller was there back before it was renovated, you know, way back in the mm-hmm. old days, and he won his last shootout at fifth-third. But not there's not a single player on either roster that was there – to play in a game in 2018 so you're going to get that part of it too where it's maybe a new type of environment but this game is way more important for uc's resume to win than it is for xavier's more not to lose and this is also like i've seen some people talking about xavier winning this game and, and like uc's a top 75 team they're not great but they're not terrible like they'll probably end up being a quad two, potentially a I don't want to say quad one game, but like
0: they'll kind of. What's UC's best win this year? Best win. Best win. Uh, w I N. They give me that one. I mean, Paul. <laughs> Let's stop sitting here bringing up. I mean, Rank, like, yeah, yeah. Ranking,
1: t- ranking wise, you like you just want an objective. It's Brian on Sunday.
0: Okay, there we go. <laughs> and they're one eighty one. I'll say that's my point. Yeah, like.
2: Well, going back, going back to what we were talking about the the spread things about at what point because we we put a lot of. Wait on spreads in this on this show yeah and remember the spreads that uc had earlier on in the year where they were three point dogs against ohio state and they lose by 40. They were six-point dogs, seven-point yeah. dogs against Arizona, and they, they needed 12 points in the final 50 seconds. Is Vegas
0: like the Jags of the NFL last year where Vegas right. just like just, – they, they just, keep, they just keep giving this team respect, and every week you bet on the Jags. It's like <laughs> the Jags are going to hit. And then lo and behold, the Jags come out week 17 of the NFL season, baby, and they just put it on the Colts. And if you lose money on them for six straight weeks, you finally feel vindicated. You're like, yes, <laughs> we got one. <laughs> I'll say
2: so. Is that gonna be UC this year? <laughs> might, might be. <laughs> so, what? What are your thoughts? Well, I well, I just I was going to say this real quick. Seth Pryor is talking about Kentucky Louisville rivalry on a big scale. If if Kentucky loses to Louisville this year, like Coach Calipari is fired before he leaves the building. Yeah. Right?
1: Do you think he's fired on the spot? Yeah. Like he's
2: like fired on the floor. Like yeah. Like like uh,
1: Herm Edwards. Yeah. yeah. Herm yeah.
2: Edwards was this year. Like yeah.
0: fired on the floor. Right. Like they, I mean that gen- genuinely. Everyone think that's an overreaction. We're be trying to be funny on the show. That's the 100% truth.
2: And, and I'd want them to, like, make a like a scene out of it. Like, if he's got a clipboard up there, like, snap it in half and, like, toss it on the floor. Like, get out of here. Lowell, like, I want them to make a big scene out of
1: it. Louisville started the season ranked 91st. They're now 211th.
0: Tough. 211. Yeah, they're bad. Really bad. Like, you can't be any worse and as Louisville.
1: They're probably going to be six-point underdogs to Florida State, who's 1-9 and, and has a win over Mercer. They play tonight? Yeah. no saturday
2: oh i can't i can't wait i can't
0: wait you know it. tom talks about how he's coached his girls uh he coached his daughter's basketball growing could they up beat louisville they're you know, the city champs i genuinely think that you could give tom and let him go out and get whatever assistance he wants and they can't have a worse year than what louisville is about to have like genuinely it doesn't matter who the coach is like they're that bad all right, let's move on. Yeah, Heisman. let's go. Heisman, so I, 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 really quickly with the Heisman is this. I think that the the award has been it's it's – it's been just like similar, maybe the Major League Baseball. The last five to ten years of this award have gotten watered down. We've made it to where it's nothing but a statistical analysis. It comes down to who has the most touchdowns, the most passing yards, and do you play on a relatively decent team. And it's a quarterback award. I, I know you're going to be like, oh, well, Devontae Smith won. Okay, sure. That's like, that's like an oasis out in the middle of a desert. You want to point to sure. it? It's definitely the, an anomaly. It's, it it's an, an anomaly. anomaly. When was the last I, running back I, to win? I just don't like the award anymore. It's not even like enjoyable to, 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 to even think about who's the Heisman because you genuinely have not had the best players in the country on the Heisman ballot for years now.
2: You, you made a point. Mark Ingram, by the way. Mark Ingram? Yeah. So that was a decade ago. You brought up the point, I think, on the show, maybe Monday, that the award should go to the player who helps his team the most. Maybe you put that in the chat. I, you know, I said
0: that if you read the actual Heisman uh, committee's statement on what it means to win the Heisman, a part of that award was someone that, uh, I think the terms were, and I'm paraphrasing, hardworking, perseverance, and has basically like good sportsmanship to them.
2: Oh, so it's the coach's award that they give to the worst player on the team.
0: I, I'm i saying, and, and it exemplifies, obviously, an outstanding performance or whatever the last phrase is that they use. We all know it's trying to be the most MVP. I, I just don't know how you can give Caleb Williams this award as a committee when those are on the actual statements of what you're trying to say. When you, when I'm not trying to be an old F man Utah here. And yeah, and I'm and not that. trying to be like the old man here who doesn't think that, you know, you should be able to, like, express yourself, et cetera, et cetera. But maybe it's being apparent, maybe it's, maybe it's, you know, I don't know, old man yells at cloud attitude about this. I just don't see how that's acceptable to put that on your fingernails. I don't see how that's even a, a remote possibility of wanting to elevate someone who does something like that. I think he arguably, yes, is the best player in the country. But I'd also say he gets knocked for not only that, but he also – jumps in the portal after one year, tries to get as much NIL money as he possibly can, and he goes on, and we're going to give that award over a guy like Max Duggan. I'm not even here to try to champion Stetson Bennett. Like, I'm not, because then I'd be like, oh, you're a homer, you're just saying that because he's a Georgia guy. But at the end of the day, who's done more? You went out into a Pac-12 conference, you lost two games, Mm -hmm. right? You arguably could have lost the third. On the biggest stage, give him credit. He he did get hurt and he stayed was out say, there. I say when, when, he, cetera, got, when he got when he
2: got hurt. The, did, talk about a team helping your team. I mean, right it, when he went hurt, it got it got bad. I, and I was
1: also wrong. It was Derrick Henry. I knew it was a running back from Alabama. But, Go on, yes. Yeah.
0: I I just I, I just don't know how as a committee they're gonna give this and it's gonna, they're gonna give it to Caleb, they're gonna give it to Caleb Williams and the whole the whole idea of random ass people are basically like Heisman voters at this point. To me, it's like who does vote on. The Heisman beat writers. Uh, well, writers. And,
1: Dan Horton was offered a vote, but he turned it down.
0: Right. And you have guys like, I mean, no offense, but like I, I watch college football as much as anybody. You got guys like Josh Pate, who I would argue is one of the most knowledgeable people in college football, doesn't even get a vote. It's, it's wild. John Heyman might have a vote.
2: Hey, I like John Heyman.
0: But I'll say this, in defense of Caleb Williams,
2: I haven't watched a whole lot of Caleb Williams this year. But no one has wowed me like Caleb Williams has. And I don't watch as much. I probably watch one fifth of college football that you watch. And I can tell you that no one has wowed me this year like Caleb Williams has wowed me. If I could take any any college football player right now, I'm taking Caleb Williams.
0: I'm not arguing. I'm not going to argue that. And that's where maybe the argument's lost. It's just like I would like to see someone that I feel like is deserving of the award that would, honor, that would the ward? honor the award. Yeah, let's put some prestigious. Nature back on the award of how you behave and how you carry yourself, because that again has to be Max Duggan. And if you, it's not, then I, I'm done on the award. I, could, I literally could care less about that award.
2: The, the difference is, is if you give it to Caleb Caleb Williams, more than likely he's going to play in the NFL and maybe have a have a good career. Stetson Bennett, Max Duggan, probably probably not going to play. I mean, they they might get drafted, might be on an NFL team. To where when you hear those names in the future. You'll be like, oh, Max Duggan, Setson Bennett, Heisman winner, George, Georgia quarterback. And you're right there. I mean, that, that puts a little bit more weight on the award when you're like, I remember that guy because he was a college football quarterback. He was a stud back in the day. Right, Caleb Williams, you're going to forget about his college career in five years. Sir
0: Boy Wonder, breaking news. Vaughn Miller out for the year? Yep. Ooh. Mm. No big deal. Say I mean, hey, boy, we might get we might need to get Sir Boy a job. He's he's in the chat, he's always breaking. By news. the way, you were so giving what?
2: you were giving me saying that there's not gonna we're gonna put a, a budget on how many baseball topics we could talk on in this thing. What was going on during Tom's show for the entire two hours? Every every there'd be a conversation. I mean, we had West Miller talking up there about the crosstown shootout. And half the comments were just breaking news from the winter meetings,
0: and it was irrelevant to everybody that was in the chat.
2: That's that's what the chat was talking about, though. That's what I'm saying.
0: <laughs> all, right, all right, let's move go on. Go ahead. Let's hear this take. All Here right. we go. So Not I'm gonna, a good get, one, I'm gonna but get in front we'll of this.
2: To I'm gonna get in front of this. You know, in the NFL, there's been a couple of drafts that have stood the test of time, and like, man, all these great quarterbacks came out of one draft. And I'm gonna get out in front of this. So you think of it, Jim Kelly. What was it? Dan Marino and John Elway were on the same draft, right? Three Hall of Famers, great great players, all on the same draft. Then you look at 2004, where Eli Manning, Philip Rivers, and Ben Roethlisberger all were drafted in the same draft. All going to be Hall of Famers, won multiple Super Bowls. I'm going to say that the 2020 draft, just happened a few years ago, is going to go down in history as a better draft than the 2004 draft. And I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to draw some parallels here. All right, so let's go back to 2004 who was drafted? Philip Rivers. All right. Philip Rivers in his first three years, he goes to the Chargers, 77 touchdowns, 35 interceptions, 10 and passing yards. He had a 33 and 15 record and 95 passer. rating. Who does he draw comparisons to? Well, you don't have to look too far. Justin Herbert, Chargers quarterback, 89 touchdowns, similar interception rate. A few more passing yards just because the game has evolved. His passer rating, identical. Now, Justin Herbert hasn't won as much as Phillip Rivers through his first three years, but I think we can all see what the Chargers are building, knowing they're going to be fine in the future. They've got a good offensive line. They're just unhealthy. They've got some decent weapons. Herbert's going to be fine. I liken him to Phillip Rivers. All right, let's move it on. Who's the other guy drafted in that draft? Big Ben. Big physical quarterback. Winner from the onslaught physically gifted who does that remind me of Jalen Hurts not as big as Big Ben but he's physically gifted you watch him and you say oh man this dude can run he can do stuff on the field that no one else can do that was Big Ben plus they're winning you remember Big Ben won his first 11 games as a starter I think he went to the Super Bowl his, his freshman or freshman year his rookie season their first year three years 29 and 11 this guy can extend plays. That's what Jalen Hurts does. Jalen Hurts in his first three years, 20-11, and 11, just seems to win ball games. One more like him? Both play in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Big Ben Pittsburgh, Jalen Hurts, Philadelphia. All right, so let's keep it going. Eli Manning. He was the first overall draft pick, went to the Gi- Giants. He was originally drafted by the Chargers, and then they flipped with Phillip Rivers because he didn't want to play for the Chargers. Eli Manning is a guy... just sits in the pocket he's patient he does it and probably never did wow you when he played but he just seemed to keep winning ball games you keep finding Eli Manning playing in the postseason playing deep into the postseason and every time you, you face the Giants just seemed to look up and they had more points than you who is that like right now Tua the Dolphins just keep to winning games when he goes on out there. I know they had a bad game this past weekend, but it just seems that this you know patient quarterback that never wows you just sits in the pocket, is incredibly accurate, just continues to win games. And what puts 2020 draft class over the 2004 draft class? JB9, Joe Burrow. Dude's just a winner. He's elite. And I know I'm riding high after seeing them beat the Titans and the Chiefs back-to-back weeks. But Joe Burrow has elevated this franchise, you know, a franchise in poverty for most of their, their livelihood. And he's elevated them to the forefront of the AFC in just three years. 2020 draft class is going to be better than
0: 2004. Yeah, I, you can try to get out in front of it as much as you want. I wonder if that's what you were if, – if, if, you were so bored driving back from Florida that that's what you decided to try to think up or conjure up because you just tried to convince me yeah. that Eli Manning isn't as good as Tua.
2: I'm saying that they seem very similar. No. In the fact that they are accurate passers. No. They never wow you. They went to pro franchises that were good in the past, hadn't been good in recently before they got drafted, and has turned them around, and they continue to win
0: ball games. I mean, that's just – it's just a bad take. I, I don't know what else to tell you other than that's just a bad take. I, I, I know you put it on the list here. Trying to be nice. At the end of the day, you can sit here and say what you want. Okay, you got Joe Burrow and you got Justin Herbert. Outside of that, you got a bunch of trash bags. And you're trying, to, you're trying to sit here and you're trying to compare them to Hall of Famers, Ben Roethlisberger. You you guys should respect Ben Roethlisberger as res- much as much as anybody in in around here, especially I respect the chat. Ben like and and then on the top wall. of that, we're trying to compare Eli Manning who, Tua. who to 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 Tua to, to, to who no Quakualoa. one knows, no, Quakualoa. One's, Quakualoa. no one's no one's gonna know the guy's last name officially because he's gonna last in this year, maybe for a couple more. That's at at most. He's, he he has been the benefactor of. The Cheetah. The Cheetah came and saved his career for just a short amount of time. He was,
2: what, 8-0 last year? He was 8-0 as a starter? No. Without Cheetah? No. Let's go.
0: Let's go. Let's go. To the. to I mean, unfortunately, like I said, I've been busy. I wasn't able to come up with some topics. We're going to go to Scott Boris, which you have this take of Scott Boris, which is whatever. I, I genuinely... I don't have much of a thought on Scott Boris. He's there to try to make his players money, and that's it.
2: Well, here's my take, and... Paul, I'd like you to chime in cuz you're 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 a baseball guy. Yeah. And an overall sports guy. Is Scott Boris the most powerful man in baseball? More so than Robert Manfred? More so than I don't even know who leads the the players union right now. Yeah. But Scott Boris is the most powerful man in baseball in my opinion.
1: I would say so because he doesn't have to report to anybody because Rob Manfred works on behalf of the owners. Right. The players unit is obviously doing what's best for the players, but
2: Scott Boris. When you hear a guy on your team sign Scott Boris as his agent, what do you do? You moan a little bit. You're like, oh my gosh. Means we're gonna have to pay the man. No one is better at their job in the MLB. And maybe professional sports than Scott Boris. And my man no one is more to blame for these contracts constantly rising than Scott fricking Boris. What did Marty call him? Call him the Antichrist.
0: He did, but I mean it only there's only two th- two rational thoughts with with Scott uh or, or if he holds the power to be right? It's like Scott is always finding a way to raise the limits to whatever someone's worth or someone's getting paid, which is exactly his job. But my thought is, is like it's ultimately the owners who hold the ultimate card you sign the guy or you don't and the only thought that i keep having is maybe something that the players keep bringing up when it comes to the salary cap thought is that listen you guys keep telling us that you're not making any money but we look around the league and these salaries just keep going up people are getting paid more and more and more money like where is the hole here because my problem with the whole situation what you're talking about with boris which then leads into higher pay which then which then ultimately leads into this quote unquote inflation or bubble that we presume to be at what point does that bubble burst because where is all this money coming from genuinely if if there's not that many people that are going to the games and there's not that much national attention to the brand and there's not that much money that's being paid to these regional sports networks who Aren't going to be able to go out and sell advertising at the rates they need to sell it at to be able to pay the pro the pay the uh, franchises what they're asking for for their TV rights deals. Who's the loser in all this? And I think the loser, the losers, are the regional sports networks because they took a chance. They bet on the fact they were going to get a lot of people watching on these programs, mm-hmm. and they have not gotten that because because again, not to make this a big business thing, but you got. Companies like YouTube TV, Google, yep. and, and, and YouTube TV is obviously a Google brand. Google, humongous pockets, could care less if they lose a little bit of revenue from YouTube TV or YouTube TV does, doesn't do as well for a year or even two years, and they wanted to play a game. YouTube TV decided, you know what, forget the regional sports networks. We're not going to carry any of Bally's stuff, and we're going to see how many people cancel and leave. And you know what probably happened? Some people canceled, but a lot of people didn't. And they were just like, so what? I'm just not going to watch my local baseball team on, on, on TV anymore. I'll have to find an alternative way to watch them if I really care. And the truth is, is that, that that is who holds the ultimate card at the end of the day, is the, the TV networks. In every league around the country, you look at the TV networks, they're the ones that spur whether or not that league is doing well or not doing well. Because they ultimately are the ones that are paying the owners. The fans anymore, they're not paying the owners. We're not going to that many games anymore, quite frankly. And the only thing that we all do, and we're all doing it on here, is we watch screens a lot. We watch screens all day long. And if those numbers don't add up to be enough money, to pay these franchises what they need to get paid to pay the salaries forget it. And that bubble is either it's not it's not just going to burst, but I think what will end up happening is these regional sports networks are going to go under or they're going to have to renegotiate these deals with these franchises and these franchises are going to have a lot less income than they thought they would have. I know I just went on a huge monologue right there, but that's the whole problem with me, the whole situation.
2: Let me take you back to 2018-2019 when Bally Sports announced that they were buying Fox Regional Networks. That's what happened, right? They thought, in their mind, they saw the books probably and said, listen, we're just getting screwed on these on these streaming services. They're not paying enough to get us on these sites. And they said, listen, we're going to buy it. We're going to jack that price up to YouTube TV and all these streaming services. And they walked into those negotiations and old big old Google Alphabet said, Eh, yeah, good luck on your own. And those guys, those Bally Sports people that, that brokered that sale, that brokered that buy of Fox Regional Sports, probably got back in their cars after those meetings and had a very quiet drive back to the airport or wherever they are going, just, just dead quiet about what mess did they get themselves into. Then they said, all right, here's what we'll do. We'll take a shot. We'll make our own app. We'll have people subscribe to us. We'll wait for opening day. And then the opening day numbers came around, and whoever was championing that buy, let's go buy Fox Regional Sports, is sitting very quiet, drinking heavily on opening day, just like, what the hell did we get into?
0: No, Because they're trying to
2: sell it now, three years later.
0: They're in bad shape. And that that That's ultimately what will end up happening. So let's jump into the MLB uh, offseason really okay. quickly. You think it's the best? I actually think it might be the best because it's just wild. It's all over the place um let's get into something really quickly with the reds we had this little bit of a debate out there i want to know what the chat thinks i don't want to i don't want to sign a single player i really don't unless unless the single mission of signing that player is to flip them at the trade deadline which is possible yeah you could go billy bean style you could call up the owner and say listen i i got a i got a deal for you i'm gonna sign him myself but when i flip and i turn him around and i sell him for more money at the deadline than he's worth and i keep the money and then, obviously, that's when the owner was like, all right, fine. You can buy him. Um, but I just don't, from a Reds perspective, I don't want to Mike. Obviously, Mike Miner is a slam oh, dunk. The, the one The one that, that's been brought up multiple times is if Andrew McCutcheon is signed by the Reds, I just, I knew I was going to. What about a
2: short-year, one-year deal?
0: I don't want it. Can we at least set the culture, the expectations within the franchise of saying, you know what? We're going to build from within. We're going to draft well. We're going to develop well. And when the trade deadline comes around, when it means that we're a part of something that could be special, we'll spend our money then. Until then, forget it. Do the, do the Reds have any chance of winning more than 75 games next year? No. I no. mean, no. no. So what are we doing? Why is it even a hint that we're going to get Andrew McCutcheon?
1: Yeah. Well, they got to sign somebody to no, we get don't. fans in the seats. No, I'm not saying that. I, I I know what you're saying. I'm saying the ownership. It's, this is the same deal that we've been doing for years. You got to sign somebody to get at least some kind of excitement going.
0: I don't think you do, though.
1: I'm with you. I'm saying from their perspective, they're sitting there thinking, oh, we got to do something to get a few season tickets back. You think but, so? Cutch! Get him!
2: Get that's MVP decade ago, around the same time, Mark Ingram was winning the Heisman. Yeah, he was good one time. I just Sign don't.
0: Him up. I, Guarantee it you depends, I it depends. It depends on
2: the length of the deal. So let me let me. You say flipping people. Yeah. What if you get Andrew McCutcheon on an eight million dollar deal one year? No, and you are saying it's not going to hurt the bu- pockets, but maybe he could he could be worth I don't know, hit 15, 17 home runs. And at at the deadline, you get somebody, and you get a you get a mid level prospect to, to come over to your farm system.
0: Okay. Is that worth it? That's that's. I, I, I get what you're getting at. That's All I'm saying scenario. is this: the it's, it's more or less, it's more or less a, a shift in focus and a culture standpoint with the res and crawl and the management. And if the ownership group thinks for the slightest slightest bit that if they go out and sign Andrew McCutcheon, that it's going to somehow help us Reds fans to want to come back to the ballpark, they are sorely missing the mark. They've completely whiffed on the fan base. The fan base, quite frankly, right now, to a large extent, could care less who they sign for the most part because they understand where we're at as, as a franchise at this very moment. Unless you go out and get Aaron Judge or you go out and get some enormously big name, Carlos Correa, You're not going to get any excitement. You're just going to get zero excitement from the Reds fan base. So it's almost like this freezing point with with water, which I've tried to explain before in here, um, is like, you know, it doesn't matter the temperature of water if it's above 32 degrees because it's just not going to freeze, right? But as soon as you hit that perfect mark, 32 or below, it's going to freeze. The Reds have to be in a position where they don't try to go and win over a fan base Unless they're going to seriously do it, and they don't have the means to do it. They can't possibly do it. So let's just focus on the farm system. Let's focus on trying to get some of these younger guys up into the, up into the system, up in, up in Major League Baseball experience, and get us excited over that. I'm not saying you need to rush Ellie Dalla Cruz to the big leagues, but sure, I sure as hell know one thing. He's going to sell tickets as much as Andrew McCutcheon will. I also know that if you get a McLean in there and you promote the fact that you got these young guys, you have to start there. And if we start to try to think that we're going to win over fans by buying these, these guys that are retreads, Cincinnati has this weird thing with retreads, man. I don't understand it. It's what? like, what do you mean? Oh, right. we we you know we we love uh, we love going and getting. Uh, and I know I'm gonna bring up some I'm gonna bring up some really some people like uh, Ryan Ludwig. We'll go get that guy. We'll try to get Brandon Phillips. That worked out beautifully, by the way. Yes, sometimes they work out. We'll go get a schooner, Jeanette, when he's hit a two hundred or five a, a Brandon Phillips struggled. i I he wasn't a superstar when he came to Cincinnati. I mean, we don't, we, we've gone the and gotten, prospect, we've we've gone yeah. and gotten a few superstars, right? You could argue, obviously the Griffey situation and all that. I'm, but what I'm trying to explain is, is that at the end of the day, we aren't interested as a fan base in getting anybody that is meaningful to this specific season. If you think you can flip them, great. But if you think that you need to go get guys to get the Reds fans excited for this season, no, like it's, it's. Maybe I'm being too pessimistic about it, what's but I just want to focus on the future. Can we just focus on the future? Well, then what's
2: the – like, like map out the blueprint. So I'll take you back to me being a Cubs fan. The blueprint for the Cubs a decade ago was to draft hitting, develop hitters. Yeah, Don. What,
0: let's bring back Tucker Barnhart. Sorry to cut you off. That's what I'm talking about. Retreads. Just keep buying them up. But I'm
2: saying is what is the Reds' blueprint? So I'll, I'll tell you. The Cubs' blueprint a decade ago when they were rebuilding was – Draft, draft hitters, and they were very successful at that. They were drafting hitters when everyone else was drafting pitchers. They were going against the grain. Then once it was time for those guys to make it to the MLB, they made a push for a big arm. They got veteran pitchers on the other side and then one bat. So what is the blueprint for the Reds? Is it sign these pitchers when everyone else is getting these young athletic hitters? Do they go against the grain and get these long-term pitchers? Nick Lodolo, Hunter Green... Maybe even Graham Ashcraft, get these guys long term, lock them up, and then when it becomes time, hopefully guys like Tyler Stevenson, Jonathan India continue to develop. You get an Ellie De La Cruz that develops. Then you got your three core hitters, and then you supplement them with veteran pl- pieces. Is that the blueprint? Like the I'm, blueprint, I'm asking, is
0: the, what is the blueprint? The blueprint for me is to focus on the middle of the field, which we have not done as a Reds franchise in quite some time. We or have a catcher.
2: Catcher, shortstop. We have the
0: pitchers. Center fielder. We need to find – you tell me the last – I've said this before. What was the last great shortstop that the Reds have had?
2: Yeah, it was 17 years ago, Barry Larkin.
0: Barry Larkin. Yeah. That's a real problem. Okay, you can say whatever you want about baseball, and yeah, it's a little different. It's very individualized. Yeah, they, that, that a shortstop might not mean as much to a franchise as a quarterback would to, to the NFL's franchises. But a shortstop is very important. You know what else is very important? A center fielder. When was the last time the Reds had an everyday center fielder that you knew was nails? You knew when you walked out there that that was a guy you could depend on.
2: Cozart started in an All-Star
0: game, but you, there hasn't been one. Hasn't been one. And that's my main priority. Make that a focus. Stop getting lost in the idea that, you know, and again, I love Joey Votto as much as anyone. We signed him long term. Sure. So what you could say whether or not he deserved that contract. But I think I've come to realize that as a small market teams, you focus on the middle of the field and you try to make that as good as you possibly can. There's always going to be a first baseman that can hit that's just lingering out there somewhere. There's always going to be a third baseman that can probably produce at the plate and be a little bit of a liability defensively.
2: You can get those guys. Those
0: guys are, are relatively affordable. And you can also say say the same thing about outfielders in general. My main problem with the Reds is, is that we sit around and we act like, and again, I'm not trying to crush these guys because they're probably good-hearted people and they probably love their time in Cincinnati. But we sit around and we act like Kyle Farmer is going to be a big-time difference maker and lead us to the World Series. We sit around and act like a guy like Tucker Barnhart who can't hit his way out of a paper bag is going to be a way is going to be a, a, a centerpiece on a on a championship team. We act like guys like Drew Stubbs and Nick Senzel and these guys that are, that get hurt every other day. We we bring in Akiyama, we play him for ten days and then he leaves. Like I just don't understand what the direction of this franchise has been a part of in the last whatever 15 years if we start to and we've started to make shortstop a priority I give them all the credit in the Mm -hmm. world I'm not against Nick Kroll all I'm saying is, is I'm tired of bringing in retreads and acting like everything's all right you're polishing a turd I'm sick and tired of hearing about how Tucker Barnhart was a huge loss I'm sick and tired of hearing about how Kyle Farmer was a big loss do you watch baseball do you see what world championship teams look like isn't it so sobering when you watch the postseason and you see their lineups, and
2: you're like, oh my God, like we
0: we are close. Yeah, I forgot. Billy Hamilton. We stuck around with Billy Hamilton for five years because the guy was fast. He could run fast. If you watch baseball, you realize Billy Hamilton was never going to be able to steal first base. He just wasn't. He was just this, and that's another thing. The Reds have done an amazing marketing job. Give whoever's idea it is, and maybe they didn't do it on accident. I don't know. But we, we tout these guys in the minor leagues, and that's some of my concern right now with, with the Reds because I've heard about how great all these minor leaguers have been for years. Nick Senzel was gonna be the dude. Drew Stubbs was gonna be the dude. It's like Jay Bruce... Honestly, around here had a great had a great Reds career. But if you talk to Cincinnati fans about Jay Bruce, you would have thought, honestly, he was Barry Bonds, but the way the way we act about him. That's- i I'm just think that we elevate all of these players in Cincinnati and they're not as good as you think they are. They're just not that great. I got another question for you. And this is this I love Brandon Phillips as much as anybody, but Brandon Phillips and Matt Carpenter were very much of the same productive type of player. And one was flamboyant, and one was similar to Ocho Cinco, and the Reds fan base loved him. And I'm not trying to crush Brandon Phillips, but what I'm saying is, is that we overvalue these guys. We act like they're significantly better than other players are, and it's just it's tiresome. I know I'm going on a rampage. I know I'm, it's just I'm just so tired of the Reds always thinking they have more than they really do because they don't have much.
2: The thing about one guy that you brought up in your your rant, you brought up 30 points that I could touch on, but the one thing. I'm thinking back to a few years ago. Nick Senzel was kind of a death blow to those teams, those Reds teams that were on the borderline of needing a pushover. You know what I'm saying? When they were winning 84 games, if Nick Senzel turns into a ball player, he pushes them over that edge into becoming a postseason team. He was a death blow. Him getting hurt all the time, him even when he wasn't hurt, wasn't producing, he was a big miss for the Reds. They put a lot of stock in him.
0: Uh, uh, go uh, ahead.
1: No, no, because I was going off on a little bit of a different tangent. So no, sorry. Sorry. I, Everett just
0: brought up what we were going to do with Brandon Phillips. I, I, all I'm saying is that, is that at some point you don't you you do the you do the Patriots model is all I'm trying to say. And I know that as a fan and as a fan of a part of a fan base, you you might not like to hear this, but I feel like the Reds front office at times have catered to the fan base. They've signed guys that 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 to extensions or they've tried to keep guys around that theoretically are fans. Like, hell, you can't trade Scooter Jeanette. This guy's a hustler. He's a ball player. You can't get rid of Ryan Friel. He's the heartbeat of this team. You can't get rid of Tucker Barnhart. He's the, the, he's the guy. The like, no. They're just average at best Major League Baseball players. Maybe below average.
2: Not selling Scooter Jeanette at a high was... So, anyways... Was- was
0: you have Hamilton. Hamilton. We, we'll, we'll well, down. Hamilton. I got, I got two things. I gotta
1: step Please. out to do I gotta step out to do an interview here in, in, in just a second. So I want to say two things.
2: Yeah.
0: A little bit
1: off, but one is that Wilson Contreras just went to the Cardinals for five years. That physically hurts me. Okay. Physically hurts me. Second thing is that just in baseball as a whole, when I was at Xavier in West Virginia on Saturday, the crowd was on its feet almost the entire game. Great atmosphere. Yeah. I w- at one point I thought to myself. When was the last time I went to a Major League Baseball regular season game that mattered or that the fans were into or that anybody stood up for? That I was excited that you left the game and you were like, that was a really fun game. You've seen it in in San Diego. LA's had a few of those. The Yankees this year. I mean, you see it every once in a while. But I can't remember. I went Wrigley. I went good. I went to the I went to the uh, Nationals and Dodgers in the playoffs, and I think 2016 that was the year that they played. Yeah, that's six going on seven years ago. By the time next baseball season goes on, that's the last time I was at any baseball game. No matter the juiced that was that was
2: cool. I I went to the Reds game a couple years ago. They played the Cubs. It was Aquino's three home run game against Kyle Hendricks. It was the height of the Punisher. It was the height of that. And I mean, I, I, was, at, you, I was at... Uh, GAP
1: was kind of juiced there. I God. was at, uh... I was at, uh... What's his name? No hitter. But, like, that's not... like. That was, who's no hitter? Arietta.
2: Well, yeah, that was a different team. I know
1: what uh, I'm saying, like, games that were, like... I know that's, like, for the... Like, no,
2: but if you're, you're trying... I'm trying, you're to, trying to manufacture to, something here, and I got nothing. No, you're trying to... Basically what it boils down to is basketball and football are more exciting than baseball. Yeah, but I mean you're building the, the teams. <laughs> like look
1: at what's happening in San Diego. <laughs> like, look in San Diego. <laughs> like look at what's happening in San Diego has been electric the last two years.
2: Cardinals, well, Cardinals why is been that been Cardinals? Ball?
1: I know I'm, it's not rocket science. I'm just saying it made me sad as somebody that loves baseball. That I was like, I've been fired up at a baseball game in seven years.
0: I'm gonna say You know why we're loud though. at
1: a baseball game? Cause I want my damn La Rose's pizza on that 11 strikeout. <laughs> That's why I stand up that, and cheer. The night there is getting. a big cheer
2: at, at the end of that. There's no doubt about that.
0: I will say this. I I do think there is something to be said about the idea that when it does happen, and as a Reds fan, you have to believe that it will. That it's going to mean so much more. It's going to feel so much better than 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 if it happened all the time, right? Like, I don't know if Cardinal fans, which, again, I don't know if Cardinal fans would ever be as jubilant and as excited as we will ever be as Reds fandom if the Reds were to make the World Series. Or, hell, even win the World Series, dare I say. I, 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 so I hold out hope there. It's like, maybe, maybe... When you're when you grow up poor and you don't have a whole lot of food on your plate sometimes as a kid, and you grow up and you finally taste a little bit of wealth, it just means more. Not to pull out an SEC pun, but it it just will it will feel so much better as Red's fandom if we get to that point. And I truly think we're closer than we think we are, as long as we don't screw this up. And when I say screw it up, I mean cave into the fan base and think that we're gonna be able to win us back by just. Going out and getting Andrew McCutcheon, which is laughable, but I'm saying it anyways.
2: So one one last moment thing I'll take about taking flyers on, on team on players as teams. Obviously the Cubs took Cody Bellinger for seventeen and a half million. And I realized and I felt almost bad. I have a I have a thing, shtick, whatever you want to call it, where I'm a heel to Reds fans. I I like I like poking fun at them. I felt genuinely a little bad when I realized that the Reds literally could not do Things like the Cubs did last night getting Cody Bellinger because they don't have 17 million dollars to just like be like, yeah, let's see if this works out.
0: They don't they can't do that. No, they can't miss. They
2: can't they can't, they can't miss on the retreads that you keep talking. If they're going to try to give a guy, a, they can't do reclamation projects at, at all. They can't get anybody that was good at one point that could still is still young enough, still youthful enough, still at the prime and say, hey, we'll give a shot at you. They can't do that because they can't miss. They can't expend money on these reclamation projects. They got to do either. They got to spend money on homegrown people to keep them around, or they have to have a surefire thing. And that's where the Reds are find themselves in the predicament that they are today. They missed on the surefires, the big, the big spendings.
0: At the end of the day, the best PR for the Reds is to win. And the way to win, in my opinion, is like I said before: focus on your young talent crop that you have. Try to develop it. Continue to continue to 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 invest into any kind of trade pieces you possibly could have for twenty twenty five and moving forward. It's that simple. Trace, have you ever had a sky rosa? I've not, but it sounds terrible. It is delicious. Get one
2: next time you need to get Cam one. You need to get Grayson one. Get yourself a what, nice what
0: I know this sounds terrible. And I'm gonna You don't make, know what it is, do you? It's obviously Skyline and La Rosa's what do they do with what what, what are we looking at here?
2: You literally take yourself pepperoni slice of za and then you get a coney and you put it quite literally just on the pizza fold it up and eat it all in one bite gotta gotta get everything in one bite the chili the bun the hot dog the pizza the bread now that sounds disgusting but if you found out that richard's pizza was selling a skyline pizza where they put like skyline chili underneath the cheese on the pizza you wouldn't think that sounds absolutely disgusting you'd think that sound all right sounds like a heart attack I don't just know. try. Just I mean, try. I'll, I'll
0: try. I'll try almost anything to be honest with you. Um, All
2: right. So I just had a little small cherry on top to to round out the show. I was looking for for stuff, and I remember. So I was I woke up today, and I've been I've been bringing this for a while. Trace, I've been telling you this for three years now. Whether you realize this, and I think you've never believed me once about this. Off seven forty seven, there was a little town named after. Yeah, my family, know where you're going with this, Mousetown, and I get a DM today from WMOH Newswire. I get two different messages. I went back to um, the bathroom earlier, and Bailey Osborne pulls me aside like, Reed, did you see this? Did you see this? They put out a picture today. Go ahead and pull up the graphic. It has Hamilton history on it. It is a picture of the sign named after my great-grandpa, Look at this, Mousetown, Ohio, right there off 747, about 10 minutes away from here in Hamilton. If you go on the Snapchat map, you still got it. It exists. I've been telling you that it exists for years now, and there's the proof. The proof is in the pudding. There is a real Mousetown. It's still there. It's still in the county records.
0: You better tell Mousetown that they're going to have to go around and pull out the old basket and have some people drop some money in the hat because... They're going to be missing a sign, if I had to guess, within the next year. It is. They're going to have to replace that sign that they just put up.
2: It is gone.
0: I probably shouldn't like pander like that because what if someone wants to steal it? It's not us at all. And they're like, <laughs> hey, pull up that clip. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then all of a sudden i got to an answer questions. Right, you, like, you got Sheriff Jones like, knocking like, on the door. I well, ain't worried <laughs> about Sheriff Jones, let me tell you. The last guy I'm worried about is Sheriff Jones.
2: Sir boy, you said it looks like a shack take that back. That is the mouse family (laughs) estate. So the fun story that I've always heard about this is that, and it's probably not true. No way it's true. Is that my great grandpa who lived in that house that the picture was, he was just sitting around drinking one day, drunk, and he was messing with his buddies and said, you know what? I'm going to put a sign outside my house that says mouse town. So he put a sign outside their house that said mouse town. And then the state came around and was giving signs to all these small villages and towns and cities. This is the folklore that I love. And they saw this sign that said Mousetown. They said, all right. A month later, they, they doctored up the sign and planted it right where that sign was and got Mousetown a new sign. And it was put into Butler County Records. But that's all I had. What's for lunch
0: today? I feel like we need to get that sign.
2: Let's get it. Hang it right here.
0: doesn't seem like Hang that it right sign there. It right there. is in a place that is highly watched. It's right
2: there by that shooters on seven forty seven. If you don't know what I'm talking about,
0: it doesn't. It doesn't appear like that's a place that's gonna have a whole lot of traffic around it at night. Hey,
2: you don't want to mess with the mouses. We are a dangerous bunch. You know what I'm saying? Dangerous bunch. All yeah. right, what's for lunch? What's on the wheel? Um, I don't have hardly anything on the wheel except
0: for Chipotle right now.
2: Ooh, we got to put it. What do you? What sounds good to you, Casey? I don't know honestly, why I let
0: the reds, like, honestly,
2: Chipotle sounds good.
0: That's why, why did the reds hold such a, such a, such a tug on my heart, man. It's like, it's just so sad because there's nothing more enjoyable than cause this is a baseball, a pennant, town. A pennant race. There's nothing more enjoyable than a sold out crowd, the anticipation of a, of a, of a full count with the bases loaded. Or even just nothing a pitch, builds drama
2: like a good baseball just
0: game. Just a pitch with a guy in scoring position when it's a playoff game is just nothing no. You can't game. you can't replicate that.
2: My favorite football team is that the great, probably the highest they've they've been in my life, easily in my lifetime, maybe ever, with what they're going with right now. What they got going, the Bengals, and I found myself on this car ride home from Florida yesterday. Constantly just refreshing, looking up every freaking rumor that I could find about who the freaking Chicago Cubs were going to sign. It ruins my life. But for lunch, I'm going to throw Gina's on there.
0: Just sad. Is it too much to ask for that as a a town? Is it too much to ask for a
2: A good baseball team? A baseball team that's just,
0: just relevant? I'm not asking for us to win the central i'm not asking for us to win a playoff series you want to play some i don't even know i don't september. even know if i'm asking for us to win a playoff game
2: you just want them to play in september but, for some meaningful games and just, that's what mccutcheon's gonna bring to the to the bunch
0: just get me past the all-star break that's all i ask get you to football hold you over throughout
2: the summer months to when you can watch georgia and aaron Rodgers being trotted back on out there for for another year Do you have any suggestions for
0: lunch? Hibachi. Ooh, hibachi.
1: Anything else? By
0: the way, chat, can we talk about something? Could you imagine calling a basketball game where the number one team in the country loses? And you have no recollection of it? Could you imagine being in the booth for so many games, so many relatively obviously meaningful games Mm -hmm. that you don't even remember the game? Is that wild chat or not? Like he just, well, he might not have done it. He
2: said, I don't know if I was there or not. I think I was. I don't even know, but.
0: We yes, got we got to grill Tom cat. about that. Spirit cat, I am all. I just I'd love some hibachi. We have a. Hey, we I hate to tell everybody, uh, last minute like this. We do have a a quick call at one o'clock with an audio engineer. So we let's yeah, get this just, wheel on here. Let's just
2: go. Whatever we have got up there is it three three suggestions? Would you suggest Casey? I put on there McDonald's,
0: Genus, Hibachi, and Chipotle. All right, let's rock. Let's rock. <laughs> Troy said he absolutely did call it. I mean, that's my point. Wild. That's just so wild to me, man. Ah, that's
2: a tough. That's Genius
0: tough. is out. I, I just I can't imagine that. Do you remember every
2: high school basketball game you've called?
0: <laughs> no, but if I called the state championship game, I, I
2: remember <laughs> it. <laughs> Ooh, we got, a good, we got two good ones up there.
0: What do we got? Oh, there's only one winner here. Come on. Come on. Did you spell hibachi right? Come Sorry, on. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Give it to me. Golly, that's terrible. We didn't, we
2: didn't do multiple things. We knew it was going to be Chipotle.
0: Well, we figured out the other day when we were gone that we think it's okay. All I'll, right.
2: I'll
0: do it. I'll do it. He's going to do, <laughs> he do it until he gets the result we want. Oh, my Did gosh. It it? Oh. All right. We got to stick okay. with Chipotle. Chipotle. All right selective memory that's three out of five. <laughs> that's 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 probably more and more <laughs> he just keeps that's spinning. probably incredibly <laughs> he true he just
2: keeps spinning it and it just keeps ending up Chipotle <laughs> guys it was nice to be back in the
0: seat wasn't it? it was it was, it was some things moving and grooving here at chatterbox again we have a good amount of viewership as always um, towards the end of the show we can't thank you enough we appreciate you yeah. uh we will be back friday better than ever probably breaking down a little bit of that uc xavier game they call it the crosstown shootout around here um I big Bengals game just. This too. Is there? Is the big yeah, I guess they're playing the Browns. That's a big game. State is there anything worse? Is there anything worse than the middle of July? I want you to think about this. Middle of February? No, 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 no. Oh. Is there anything worse than being in the middle of July and having no hope that you're your look, you're favorite baseball franchise is going to win again are you no. looking
2: forward to uh football season no
0: there's not and all i'm asking i'm just asking from the bottom of my heart can we figure it out down there on joe knucks all way can we figure it out can we just figure it out starts with kutch thanks we'll guys. be back friday see ya. see everybody